When the news is dark, how do you find the light? And if you've got kids, how do you help them find it too? Today, we're talking about despair over world events. And we're specifically thinking about how we can find the right balance between consuming news and protecting ourselves, how we can still have something to give when everything feels so exhausting and negative, and specifically how if we have children, we can talk about dark and complicated things, things we don't necessarily have the answers for. If you're looking for some hope in what feels like a dark time, you'll want to listen to today's Baggage Check. Welcome. I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this is Baggage Check, mental health talk and advice, with new episodes every other Friday. I must remind you that Baggage Check is not a show about luggage or travel. And incidentally, it's also not a show about what's really inside a golf ball. So let's get started today. This week, I have been fielding a lot of media inquiries about finding light, about talking to kids about dark and difficult things. And this certainly isn't the first time. I know we've spoken on this show before about how to deal with a world that feels ugly and unkind and violent. But I do want to revisit it today in a different way. I do want to focus not only on ourselves and how to find some light, but also how to help our children find some light as well, how to bring up difficult subjects, how to listen when ugly subjects have to be addressed. We certainly live in a world where it's not hard to find bad news, unfortunately. So this is far from the first time that we've talked about difficult, painful things. But currently, with violence and terror all over mainstream news, I think it was high time to revisit this topic again and to focus particularly on protecting ourselves and our families while also being willing to bear witness and be the people that we want to be and live the values that we want to have. So today we're going to have a conversation about that. And I've basically, because I tend to like those number lists, I know, I've basically come up with eight principles to think about when trying to have these difficult conversations, when trying to talk with children about difficult things, and when we're trying to find the light, even just for ourselves, in the darkness. Okay? So some of these will be geared towards talking with children, but others of them really can be geared towards ourselves as well. But let's start with number one. When talking to your children, listen as much as talk. There are several television stations that I have relationships with, relationships that I value very much, that bring me on a lot of times to talk about breaking down difficult news subjects for children. Jake Tapper and I on CNN have a lot of conversations about this. I've been having conversations about this since the pandemic began. And one of the things that I always say is that we focus so much on what to say and how to talk that we don't focus enough on how to listen. Remember that that is at least half of your battle here, if not more than half of the battle. How do I show my child that I'm listening? How do I actually give them the time? How do I use attentive body language? How do I ask questions that make it feel safe 
for them to talk about difficult things? How do I not just make it sound like I'm checking a box or that I'm half listening to them as I'm also checking my phone? You can't have difficult conversations with kids or with anyone for that matter without thinking about how you're coming across as a listener. And that's not even to mention the fact that you want to hear what they have to say, that that will give you information about what you need to target, that that will help you figure out where they are emotionally and how you can respond and how you can offer support and what you can work on. So number one really is about thinking about yourself as an active listener, a compassionate listener, somebody who makes them feel heard. Is there a particular group of words that you say? Is it the particular time that you choose to do it? Is it the context of when the conversation comes up? Is it the body language that you show? It should be all of these things. A lot of times there's no one right thing to say. So let's take the pressure off of ourselves to say the perfect thing, but instead to think about the vibe that we create. It kind of brings to mind that quote. It's been attributed to several people. Sorry, I should probably look it up. Maybe I'll have an addendum in the episode notes. But this idea that people won't remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. I think this is really germane to this conversation. So be prepared to be a very active and mindful listener. Related to that is number two, convey a sense that feelings are okay. You can't be an active and compassionate listener without making it known that people are free to actually express themselves. And I think if you're talking to a child or even a teenager, we oftentimes subtly make them feel like feelings are scary or too messy to talk about or they're a sign of weakness. You've probably heard me go off on toxic positivity. That was probably our very first episode, this notion that, oh, it's okay. Oh, don't cry. Making children feel like feelings are scary and bad, especially negative feelings, that they're wrong, that they're unsafe, that they're dangerous, that they're harmful. Let's try to not make feelings be so scary. I honestly think we can help kids be more resilient that way. If we teach them that anger happens, that fear happens, that sadness happens, that uncertainty happens, even to adults. And so express the idea that feelings are safe to be expressed that it's not wrong. A lot of times we lead the witness when we're talking to kids. Oh, you're not upset about that, are you? Don't be scared. There's nothing to be afraid of. That kind of thing. I think in difficult conversations about what's going on in the news, scary, violent, sad things, we kind of send mixed messages if we just want to wrap it up in a bow. Or if we make it seem like they shouldn't have a reaction to that. Because we want to raise compassionate human beings. We don't want them to be hardened. We don't want them to be desensitized to violence. So let them know that it's okay to express their feelings. And you can do that in part through really being an active and mindful listener. And really making it a value of yours. That you make the space for them. And that feelings are our right to be expressed. Number three, this goes for ourselves and our kids. Don't feel the need to have all the answers, right? There might be some questions that your kids ask you. You have no clue. And I think it's pretty safe to say that most of us in the world right now, for instance, don't know how to solve certain geopolitical conflicts, don't know how to stop the violence, 
don't know how to bring peace. Even the experts in these fields don't know. And so we certainly can't make our kids know that everything is going to be totally fine. That just can't happen. And that's okay. Now, obviously, you're going to calibrate this to the age of your kid, you know, letting a four year old feel like the world is still a safe place, and it's going to work out makes more sense than shutting down a conversation with a 13 year old about what's really happening. And so I think that We really need to meet the kids where we are, but we need to not be afraid to make it clear that uncertainty is okay and that we can continue to learn and ask questions and explore and wonder about things. We can continue to have those feelings. So don't go into the conversation with your child or even don't go into your own thoughts about this thinking, well, I need to wrap everything up and find a way to cope and just check that box because it's uncertain. Number four, this goes for ourselves and our children, set boundaries with your exposure. I've got to emphasize this, especially for parents. I think we are in a new age right now. I think this particular week, some of the images and videos and narratives coming out are so specific, so graphic so potentially traumatizing to younger kids that we need to be more vigilant than ever because our kids are going to get exposed. And again, I believe in bearing witness. I believe that's important, but we have to have some subtlety here in terms of a matter of degree. Your nine-year-old on TikTok or your 13-year-old on Instagram or your 16-year-old on Twitter We have to be vigilant right now because there's going to be stuff that's very upsetting. And there's going to be stuff that's misleading, that's oversimplified, that's exaggerated or that's inflaming or that really is not nuanced, that really is not contemplative and compassionate. And so please, please, let's not be in denial about what our kids are being exposed to. And let's ask them and let's talk with them and let's talk with them about what they've seen and how we can help set boundaries and let's set boundaries for ourselves. We've said that a lot in this show that we can't be the people to go out there energized to help others if we are burnt out because we've let ourselves do a nonstop doom scrolling and burned ourselves to a crisp in terms of our hearts, right? That actually came out sounding really gross. That was not my intention. But the truth is that we have to protect ourselves too. Boundaries are part of it. And we've talked about that before, that if we don't set reasonable boundaries, we have nothing left. We can't be the open and positive and energized people who actually can fight for what's right. So set those boundaries. Have logistical boundaries. Have time boundaries. Have emotional boundaries. How much you're going to be exposed to and when you need to press pause. And everybody's going to have a different balance of this. And your balance might change day to day too. And that's okay. Number five, this is helpful for ourselves. And when we talk to our kids, it's classic Mr. Rogers. Look for the helpers, right? This idea that when scary things happen, we can find some light. We can look for the humanity. We can look for the compassion. We can look for the good. We can find the narratives that are more positive, that remind us of the human spirit, that remind us of connection, 
that remind us of empathy and people looking out for each other. And if you can't find enough of this in really, really brutal stories coming out of impending war, maybe you can find some of this in other places. And that's okay too. If you're distracting yourself on sites with pictures of people rescuing dogs, hey, if that fills your heart in the moment, that can help sustain us. It can give us strength to go forward. Number six, let's remember our values. When we're talking to our children, oftentimes it feels like there's no quote unquote moral to the story. If they've seen people doing terrible things to each other, what does it mean? What's the big picture? What's the end game? How do we draw that into a conclusion that we want them to understand about the world? What's the lesson there? Well, sometimes the lesson is living in accordance with our own values, putting into the world what we believe is right. So it's always high time to focus on values when the world seems scary and difficult. And I know we've covered this before, but this is really important to talk with our kids about. And maybe if the kid is six years old, you don't talk about it in terms of the word values, or maybe you do. You talk about what's important. Encourage your kids to think about what's important to them. Is it laughter? Is it fun? Is it learning? Is it rest? Is it sports? As they get older, is it adventure? Is it compassion? Is it peace? And if we have the value of peace or nonviolence, or speaking up for what's right, or speaking up for marginalized people, how can we do that in a way that makes a difference even on a small level, even if we can't touch what's happening halfway across the world, even if we can't solve conflicts that have been going on for decades, maybe in our own backyard, we can focus on belongingness, we can focus on community, we can focus on kindness to others, we can help people connect. We can help people find joy and find beauty. And yeah, maybe just a dinner gathered with your neighbors. Maybe that actually brings some light into the world, right? I mean, the beautiful thing about bringing light into the world is that any tiny amount of light can make the darkness less difficult to bear. A little bit of light goes a long way. Number seven, think about how those values and those feelings can be turned into action. So if you feel angry, if you feel horrified, if you feel scared, or if you're remembering your values of whatever it might be, compassion, belonging, community, empathy, learning, insight, curiosity, growth, how can you turn those into action? Is there something that you can do here in your own home or out in your individual community that puts your money where your mouth is, whether literally you're making a donation or you're donating your time or you're thinking about how to fight for what you believe is right in a nonviolent way, how to speak out, how to bring more nuance to conversations that are bothering you, that are oversimplified. All of these things are a way of making a difference. And the beautiful thing about turning our values and our feelings into action is that it helps us feel more powerful. It helps us feel more autonomous, like we're making a difference, like we're actually moving something 
in the right direction. And so that can counteract helplessness. And helplessness is one of the worst parts of being horrified and seeing things that just feel like we can't change. But you can change things in smaller ways. Which brings us to number eight, finding community and connection. So many of us are looking for this on social media, and maybe we find a little bit of it, but maybe also too, it's just inflaming us, making us more upset, making us more despondent. Think about how you can feel connected and a sense of belongingness to other people. Maybe by talking about these things, maybe by finding light in a way that doesn't have to do with the despair you're feeling about the news. We know that we are meant to help each other. We are meant to have a sense of belonging. It can be such a balm. It can also help us figure out how to put our values and feelings into action. It can help us channel that. There's a collective spirit in the group being able to do something that individuals cannot. That's why things like vigils can be so powerful. Yeah, some people might say, oh, it's just symbolic. That's not action. What does a vigil do? Well, first of all, it brings literal light. But most of all, it brings a sense of not being alone. It brings a sense of shared purpose. And not being alone is one of the most important things when you're feeling despair. That doesn't mean you have to go out, you have to plan a party. But it does mean if you can look for connection even if it's just connection with your dog or connection with nature or something that feels bigger than you, that goes deep. That helps us remember that it's not up to us alone. And that honestly, other people and connections to something bigger than ourselves can be part of the entire meaning of why we're here. I hope some of these ideas have at least given you a little food for thought. It's a tough world out there, but it's also a world that has beauty if you're willing to look for it. So my heart goes out to everyone who's hurting these days. I know there are a lot of you, but you deserve compassion. You deserve to be able to take care of yourself and you deserve to remember that you are not alone. Thanks for joining me today. Once again, I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this has been Baggage Check with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Join us on Instagram at Baggage Check Podcast. Give us your take and opinions on topics and guests. And you know you've got that friend who listens to like 17 podcasts. We'd love it if you told them where to find us. Our original music is by Jordan Cooper, cover art by Daniel Marity, and my studio security, it's Buster the Dog. Until next time. Take good care.